It's time for the Over the Boards podcast. With Jared Ashdown. He's literally the analytical equivalent of a donut. John Scusa. Steve Dobley. Yes. And Vincent Cristiano. Only reason he's better is he's taller and wider. And sometimes that gets in the way of the car. <laughs> Brought to you by Griffcast, the official podcast network of Canisius College. Since James accidentally gets in the way of a puck. The uh, that the new intro is, <laughs> I went back and I re-uploaded the podcast from two weeks ago, um, because nobody listened to it, and so I just put the new intro on there instead of the old intro, and now it's up. So, have you like? I'll say this for the podcast. Just just start. I've been recording because I if I stop and start recording, it's when GarageBand gets messed up. So I'm just gonna record the whole time. Oh, so we're and recording. Then edit it out. Yeah, we've been recording for nine minutes. Okay, so so we're this is like the point where we should start the podcast. Yes. And I, I want to start the podcast off by talking about how we we're talking about the intro, and you included like the quote like about Jonas. Jonas Johansson. Yeah, Jonas yeah. Johansson, and uh, I couldn't remember his name because he sucks at bit. Um, yeah, he's, I think he still really played less than 50 NHL games. Like, it's not many. Yeah, and you drafted him. I believe you picked him with the first pick of the third round in 2014. That would be 61st overall. Does that sound correct to you? Sounds about right. 15 picks later. Elvis Merzlikens. Later in, the, in that draft, there were two other goalies selected after Jonas Johansson. Do you want to know who they were? Boy, are they starting in the NHL right now? Yes, they are. Is one of them Jeremy Swayman? No. Okay. He was twenty seventeen. Okay. They're very good, and they're starting they're the NHL right now. Very good. Oh boy. You I feel are, like you I are going, you are going to you were going to cry, cry when you hear these names. Okay. Don't don't tell me. I want to try and guess them because it's okay. going to be disappointing that okay. I don't know them. Okay. I'm just going to run through the starting goaltenders okay. and see which ones seem. One relevant. of them's not like the true starter, but he's really good. Okay. The other, that would fit the, into the other one is the true starter. That would have fit into my Jeremy Swayman. Is Thatcher Demko one of them? No. He, he was, was he was he was in that draft, but he was before. Before he was him. in the second round. Okay, that's what I that's that makes sense. I had a, I knew he was that like he's around yeah, that. Yeah, he age, was so. he was he was a big deal when he was drafted. Oh, just to just to let you know, twenty one uh total games started in the NHL. For yes. Jonas Johansson. Yes. So way less than Not like, even not all even of them with the Buffalo Sabres. No, some of them with Colorado. Yes. He's got a career. He's got 22 games played. He's six and ten, with three overtime losses. He's got a goals against average of 289, a save percentage of 898. Oh my god, that's bad. It's just genuinely that's terrible. Bad. This year, he's got one game, one loss, 303 goals against average, and a 919 save percentage. Now it's only one game, so like you can't really take into account the save percentage goals against average, but yeah, still not good at hockey. Okay. So not Thatcher Demko, he was before that. Mm-hmm. Another goalie who was selected beforehand, I'll, I'll mention this too, 
Alex Nedeljkovic. So he was selected also before. Okay, beforehand. So there, it was a good, good draft for draft class. Yeah. Very good draft for, for goalies. Clearly one. Except for, of course, the Buffalo Sabres missing yeah. on their guy. Would you say the goalie is better or worse than Ellis Merzlikens? I think both of these goalies are better than Ellis. I think Ellis one of I think one of them is slightly better. And I think the other one's clearly better. Is one of them one of the Rangers goalties? Yes. The so Igor Shosturkin. Igor Shosturkin. Yes. Okay. He was in the fourth round. There's another one in the third round. I'm pulling up the draft right now. Seeing. You don't have to go that far. No. Oh, not far. Like geographically, you're saying. You don't have to go that far. From New York. Oh, so the island has the other one. Ilya Sorokin. So yeah, you you, you you know you drafted Jonas Johansson and you, you missed out on Elvis Merzlikens. Jonas, you missed out on uh, Ilya Sorokin and Igor Shosturkin. So, congratulations on that one. Were there any other goalies drafted in that draft? I assume there maybe probably was like in the fifth round or whatever. There may have been later, but those are like the like big. Deal ones. I can look real quick for you. Chase Perry's one of them. And what? And again, just just to be clarified, what year is this that we're talking about? Twenty fourteen. Fourteen draft. Okay. So like. And Alec Dillon. After those were the only goalies drafted after that. That's in the fifth round. I'm still oh, looking. Right. But that's just the fifth. Maximilian Paypack. Okay. I don't know who that is. Vitek Hayden Hockey. Oh my God. Vitek Vanacek was also drafted in the second round of this draft. I was just more so going for guys who were drafted after, after that. Yeah. Yeah. Ivan. Uh, Ivan Nalimov. I, think. I have no idea who that is. He's with Chicago. You're not. Yeah. At the end of the day, like no other significant goals right. were taken after. So the only the only one that I look at and kind of laugh a little bit is Hayden Hockey because he was the goalie for Providence. I believe. Interesting. We saw him in the uh, the Frozen Four in, in 2019, but he, he never did anything professionally. So, Well, that's very interesting, and it just proves that just the Sabres have been, and I mean, in a certain way, continue to be just absolutely garbage at drafting like over the past so, Like if we go years. over the 2014 NHL draft and you look at the players that, here, here let, me, let me, control F, let's do Sabres. So Sam Reinhardt, second overall. Good pick. Like, like you're That's right, a like, good like, pick. Like, you're not like, like sure, like, Leon Dreisaitl went right after that. But, like, also, you, you say, oh, Leon Dreisaitl went after that. Okay. Also, Sam Bennett went after. So, yeah. yeah. Reinhardt's better. Yeah. Michael Del Cole. Yeah. Reinhardt's, Reinhardt's better. Yeah. Jake Vertanen. Reinhardt's better. He's a piece of trash. Yeah. And he sucks at hockey. Hayden Fleury. Like, like the next good yeah. pick in that draft didn't come until eight when William Nylander went eighth, and then ninth was Nick Ehlers. Yeah. And... I mean, there's probably some people that would say that Reinhardt is more valuable than Will Nylander, but I mean, I don't know if that's necessary. I don't know. I would rather have, personally, I'd rather have Nylander and Ehlers, but nobody was talking about Nylander or Ehlers going second overall. Right. So, like, that's just... Right. And, and again, part of the, the situation with drafting is, like, de- the players developing a certain way. I mean, you don't know if, yeah. if, if Nylander comes to the Sabres, is he as good as he was on Toronto? If You know, I, I, you don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. The player development is huge. Uh, another your next pick, thirty first overall, Brendan Lemieux. So he never played for you guys because right. you ended up trading him. Right. He, he, Rangers he, legend. He he wasn't wasn't great. Your next pick, Eric Cornell at forty fourth overall. That's a terrible pick. Your next pick, Vaclav Karabacic. I don't even know who that is. I recognize that name actually. What is he doing? He is a Czech professional ice hockey right wing who currently plays for Motor Sheske. 
whole, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last part, of the first Czech Republic Hockey League on loan from Mountfield HK of the Czech Extraliga. Wow. Okay. So, so another he, wow, absolutely another, terrible pick. Another terrible pick. Why did I know the name Vaclav Karabacic, though? Like, I well, feel because like he was I'm, a second-round pick, so you probably you wouldn't know him. Like, you would have been he had three second-round picks that year, and you didn't hit on any of them. Yeah. Nope. Your best pick was, was Lemieux, and he, and he didn't even play he didn't for you. He didn't play for you. traded him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> next pick was Johansson. <laughs> next, pick, next, next pick was Bryson Martin at 74. Five picks later. Okay, here, here you go. The next pick it's was fun. Alexander okay. Peters. That's a bust. Okay. He didn't okay. play. Great. Good. The next pick was Elvis Merzlikens. And then the next pick after that, Blake Siebenhaller. Also, not a great pick, so, you know. And then the next pick after that was Ilya Sorokin. And then the next pick after that was Brain Point. Yikes! That's not great at all. Yeah. All right, next pick. Maxwell Willman. Okay. Okay. You know, he, he, he didn't do anything. Um, but luckily, there's no real players who were taken, like, shortly after him. That was great. The next good pick... So he was picked at 121. The next really good player would probably be Oscar Lindblom at 138. So that's not not too terrible. Okay. Next pick, 151, Christopher Brown. <clears throat> Again, same situation. Nobody really great taken shortly after. So he's picked at 151. I'd say the next best player... Was probably Sammy Blay at 176. This was a terrible sixth round. Uh, oh, oh, okay. So, so your next pick was 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 empty calorie donut uh, Victor Olsson <laughs> at 170 right. or at 181. So, so like, I there's no reason. Like, like, like I'm say, glad we like like in the seventh round. That's a hit. Like you're hit, that's, that's a, a huge hit. hit. Like say what you want. Like I say whatever I want about Victor Olsson. But at the end of the day, nobody's gonna. He's the best player in the seventh round. Right. Like the other good players, Jake Evans at 207, Andre Kasha at 205, Pierre Engvall at 188. That's that's, it. that's really it yeah. for the and you're seventh taking round. Olsen you're taking over all of those guys, those guys every time. Ten days a week. But so. I think it's just like the fact that you only hit are you are we saying that Lemieux is technically a hit because he's played in the NHL? I don't know. I, Thirty one is a first round pick now. It is. So like, I don't know, though, because we always talk about, like, oh, it's a first-round pick. Like, how do you value a first-round pick? There's a lot of guys who are first-round picks that are just okay players yeah. in the NHL. So I wouldn't say that he was a hit. I wouldn't say he was a miss. I, the reason that you can't even say he was a hit or a miss is because you didn't even use him. Yeah. You, you traded him away in, in the deal with Winnipeg. It's so, just, like, it, it becomes irrelevant if, he, if he's good. You'd actually rather him not be good because you traded him. <laughs> I mean, when he was in New York, I, I, I liked him. As a third, fourth line guy, he's gritty. He's yeah, I know. Like, like in, in, in the role that he's in, he's solid. Like, you, pay, you play him in the bottom six, and he's physical. But, like, as far as, like, when you, pl- you select a player 31st overall, you really do want them to be better than a bottom six forward. Right. Right, well, yeah. So, basically, the Sabres did not have a good – I mean, Reinhardt was a good pick. Like, whatever, that's fine. Um, yeah. And now, and your seventh round pick, Walton, was a hit. That's probably one so of the best. So you're hitting the first and last round of the draft, and yeah. that's it. Which is just not, that's not good drafting. I mean, you gotta. Is that good enough, though? No. Yeah. You gotta be better than that. Yeah. And so that just shows just how just inept the Sabres have been at running a franchise for the past several years. I mean, I can't. We've, we've done this before. I don't remember the last time we went through. We went through actually, this like, in. 
during the pandemic. Yeah, and we just went through we, the, their past what six drafts. We went through the last. We we did and a we just, draft review of the Buffalo yeah. Sabers, and, we, and this was because we were comparing this was shortly after. Botterill was fired. Yes, because you're comparing our, him to Tim Murray. Yes, yes, and our point was Tim Murray did an absolutely terrible job of drafting, yeah. and Botterill didn't. Look, some of the moves that Botterill made weren't great. Like, let's not deny that. But right. it, he he was put in a very tough position, and you know, the same thing for for Kevin Adams. Like, he's he's been put in a tough position too. Fortunately for you guys, I think that he's gotten it right with the coach. And that's really the start of it. Yeah, that's you get a good coach and you try and build some sort of a foundation and go from there. It's it's not easy sometimes with rebuilds. Right. You guys have shown that it can be very tough. You guys are the poster child of showing that uh, it can be tough. It, um, it's more than tough. Well, I'll say that right tough, now. It's but, more than you tough. Know, like, yeah, it's it's tough to watch. It's been it was tough to watch until. You know, October of this year, when apparently it's no longer tough to watch because. But and, and it's probably going to get tough to watch as this year goes yeah. on because your luck's not. It's not be. sustainable. I mean, you're no, getting, there's nothing about it that's sustainable. No, you're getting good goaltending. You're getting goal scoring from players who just like probably shouldn't even be in the NHL anymore, which I'm admitting now. Um, and then you're you've got defense that just doesn't seem like it really should exist. I mean, your best defense was Rasmus Dahlin, and your next next best defenseman is currently injured, and Henry Yoki Haru, and he's your number two defenseman. I don't even know if he really should be at this point oh, a number should, two defenseman. I don't, I don't think he's a number two defenseman no. as a ceiling. I, I don't right. think he's ever going to be a number two defenseman no. in the National Hockey League. I don't, I don't, and, I don't legit unless he unless, unless his progression. He, again, we talked about this. Last week, and that podcast never aired because GarageBand decided, like, I don't feel like working. So, um, I literally, I was trying to monitor. Normally, what I do is I have GarageBand open, recording everything, and I switch back and forth from GarageBand to the Google Doc and NHL.com and all the websites with all the stats and everything, just, you know, so I know what I'm, at least it seems like I know what I'm talking about or I can look up what I'm talking about. And I guess at some point, I switched back to the Google Doc and I, an error came up from GarageBand and I like the same thing came up in week one and so I restarted the recording but instead of continuing recording at like 23.05 it just deleted everything and just nothing happened I, I don't know what happens I have the first two minutes of the podcast which us wasn't even recording yet it was just, just getting ready to begin and then I, there's nothing like it just disappeared which is disappointing but yeah we went over the Rip Sabres roster last week and all those and I made fun of you because yeah. you kept trying to talk players up like a used yeah. car salesman, and I was like, "Stop it! I'm not an idiot. I'm not buying your used car." Well, I mean, you're an idiot, but not for the same. Uh, not, not Cody for, Eakin not, is not a great fourth line guy. Let me tell you, Cody Eakin probably shouldn't even be in the league. I agree, Cody Eakin is not good at hockey, but this year specifically, right up until this point, he's, he's not passable. Injured. He has played well enough to be in the NHL currently, and up until this point on this team right now. Andres Bjork, great third-line guy. You talk about him like he could be a third-line guy. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's like a fourth-liner at best. I'm a big Andres Bjork fan. Why? He, like, he works hard, I guess. Yeah, that's what I like. I like he's work, he's work hard. He works hard. He's good in the locker room. Yeah, man. Do you know what that's code for? He's he sucks. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just how it is. And... Like, uh, you know, Drake Ajula, who actually had a nice goal against Lightning. Like, like, yeah, that yeah, was one that, like, you, nice you were like, oh, he's a fourth-line guy. And I was like, okay, so you're going to say that I'm no. a third-line guy? You're saying that Drake Ajula's a fourth? I agree. Jake, Drake Ajula's a fourth-line guy. I yeah. actually like Drake Ajula on the fourth line. 
I, I think I, I didn't even I tried to avoid reading his name off because I just knew that was a guy that you're like he should not be playing, which I think he is playing on our fourth line right now. Yes, which is fine. I, I like Trey Kajula on a fourth line. Yeah, I like him in the bottom say like, like you you got him in the right role. That's one of the few players you got in the right role. Zemgus Gergensen's is a bottom six guy at best. Um, yeah. Kyle Poso. Kyle Poso. Right. Is a bottom six guy at best, but he's actually been playing well this right. year. Which he shouldn't be a bottom <clears throat> six guy at best. He should be a top six forward. Well, you're but paying him like a top six forward, but, but because he used time, to be a top six forward, because he, he used to be really good. But then he almost then, died, and then he almost died. So like he's literally over the course of the past seven years. I know he wasn't here for all seven of those years. Yeah. But I've been mad at almost every single Sabres player that's gotten here. Kyle Post was the one Saber that like every time. It's like, well, Kyle Post is really bad. We're paying him way too much. It's kind of like, yeah, but he almost died, so yeah, I don't really want to criticize him. He was a top six forward until he almost he died. Almost it's, died. Not, it's not like he was bad, like his first couple years in Buffalo. No, he was he good. Was, his first good. year like, in Buffalo, he, he was good, and then he got injured, and then he got injured again, and then he almost died. died. And then and he now, just hasn't been the same player since. He just since. hasn't been the same player since because, you know, when you have a near-death experience, you're, you know, that changes you as yeah. a person. And I think just it also changes your body as a well, player. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. It's just yeah. Well, I, I, I thought you were more talking about the mental part of it. Like, no, it changes mentally, physically, men- and it changes the yes, mental. His too. mental toughness is admirable, and it I've is, met yes. him before. He's a really great dude. Like yeah. he's very nice. But yeah, like the the I the whole thing kind of you know it definitely changed him. Unfortunately, because he used to be really good, and now. He is not as good, although this year he's playing very much so better than I think we all predicted he would have. But again, <laughs> that's just not sustainable, like in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I'm looking, so I'm looking at Twitter. I got Twitter open because we have tweets that we have to read later. And I'm just looking at like what's trending, and the first thing that shows up is cricket. And this dude, this is the funniest line I think I've ever seen in my life. Quentin DeCock. His last name is DeCock. DeCock. <laughs> nice. Apologizes for not taking a knee and says he is quote unquote not a racist. <laughs> I just pulled up Twitter. That's the same thing that just came up. <laughs> so, since we already brought up Twitter and uh, <clears throat> going to be the main topic of our podcast today, I think we should just get into it. The elephant in the room. The elephant in the room. <laughs> Wait, what? The Saber Store, the Saber Store Twitter account just tweeted a picture of um, Ryan from the office. Yes, I forget his real name. Sabres jersey. And it's is, is it, it's, it's like, like BJ. Yeah, um, it's BJ. BJ Raji. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like God. Uh, it's not BJ Upton. <laughs> BJ Upton. BJ Novak. Novak, that's what it is. Yeah, BJ Novak, just wearing a Sabres jersey. He's just the, the of all the people to model a Sabres jersey for an ad. It's just, yeah, yeah. That, that's really weird. Oh, man. I'm sorry, but that I just was like very confused by that. I, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, we're gonna talk about the elephant in the room. So, um, Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, Chicago Blackhawks. So, so we'll start with a couple tweets. From Rick Westhead, and now now Rick Westhead ha, is a reporter. He works for for TSN. He has been on this case literally from the get go. He has been the, the driving force of bringing this whole thing to light. So it would be remiss if we didn't immediately mention it right to start. 
how incredible, what, what a great piece of reporting and what a fantastic job over the last couple of months Rick Westhead has done with this. So uh, yesterday, 21 hours ago, he tweeted, tonight on SportsCenter, we're joined by John Doe, who, you know, obviously came out, it's Kyle Beach, who's the 11th overall pick of the Blackhawks in 2008. Uh, he was the former Blackhawks player at the center of the team's sexual abuse scandal. He has asked us to reveal his identity, obviously just said who he was, and you will hear him speak his truth. It's a privilege to offer a platform to someone with such courage. Um, he also tweeted, it is worth remembering that 37 people contacted by the, the law firm investigating the Blackhawks scandal either did not respond to a request for an interview or flat out refused to cooperate. So there's a lot that, that, that happened in this. So Kyle Beach, obviously, 11th overall pick from 2008. He was called up in 2010 as a black ace. Now, I actually, I, to, to those who don't know, I wasn't totally aware that this was the actual term for it, but... Black ace is basically any prospect for a team that gets called up during the playoffs after like their junior season ends or the American Hockey League season ends. If there is like a comical amount of injuries, then they play. Like like they 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 had like I think nine other black aces up with the team in, in 2010 when the Blackhawks were making their run to the Stanley Cup final. So like you know. Obviously, COVID wasn't a thing back then, but it, that could be something that happens this year. Say a team in the playoffs get just a bunch of players get COVID. Yeah, you can see black aces for a team this year. You know, it, it they happens every year. We, we we basically never see them, but that's what they're there for. You know, it's always been a thing. It's always it's, been it's a been thing. For a it's while. not talked about because it never comes to light. It's right. they're basically like the they're like the e bugs of the team, right? Except yeah. they're not in, in nearly as important a position as right. goaltender, right? So they're. They're always up with the team. So while Kyle Beach was up with the Blackhawks in 2010, a situation occurred where he was uh, sexually assaulted by the video coach, Brad Aldridge. Mm-hmm. And this was brought to the attention of many people within the organization. And specifically, there was a meeting that included Al McIsaac, uh, Joel Quenville, um, Stan Bowman, Kevin Sheveldayoff, several people within the organization where they talked about what happened. And this happened somewhere between, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, this happened somewhere between the end of the Western Conference Finals and the beginning of the Stanley Cup Finals. What, the incident? That, that, that's what, it seems to me that's when the meeting happened. Oh, okay. I would say the incident, like, because I read, like, the, the summary of the report, yeah. and it said it happened either May 8th or May 9th of 2010. Okay. And that would have been in, in the middle of... That's in the middle of the playoffs. Right. Because, you know, usually, like, the Steel Cup ends in... Late like, May. Like, or, it ends in early June. Like if, Yeah. Like, Depending uh, on how the season falls and how that, uh... Yeah, how the season falls normally. Yeah. Like how we're going to... The game between the Flyers and Blackhawks, where the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup, was June 10th. Okay. No, no, June 9th. June 9th, 2010. So so this incident happened a month... About a month before they won the Stanley Cup. So this incident, we, we... we said it that, like what, like May eighth, May ninth. Yeah, it, what, I read the official report. I read the summary. It said it either happened May eighth or May 9th. So I'm not totally 100 percent sure when the meeting happened. All we know is there was a meeting. It definitely happened. Those people were definitely involved. So they knew. 
Yep. Joel Quenville, who said back in July that he had no idea. Kevin Sheveldayoff, who said back in July that he had no idea. Those two were lying. Mm-hmm. They were in the meeting. So that meeting happens. Allegedly, Joel Quenville said something amongst the lines. We don't have a direct quote, but he basically said, we don't want to like focus on this right now. We're in the middle of the playoffs. We're trying to win a Stanley Cup here. Right. That's, a, that, that's the gist of what he was trying to say. So they focused... On winning the Stanley Cup, which they did, more than the sexual assault of a player, and three weeks passed before anything was done about it, and really nothing was done about it. They, right. you know, uh, so, they, so, they, something technically was done, but in the sense not that it was nearly yeah. enough, exactly correct. Because Brad Aldridge ultimately had to resign. They gave him the choice: either we're going to do an investigation, or you're going to resign. Right. Because he resigned. There's no investigation. Right. So, Brad Aldridge resigns. He's no longer a part of the Blackhawks. But he still gets a Stanley Cup ring. And now, he still gets a deal with the this Cup. Is where it he gets, still gets to yeah, celebrate This is them. where it's worse. Isn't his name on the Cup, too? His name's, yeah. Yeah, his name's on the Stanley Cup. Like, right now. If you look at it, you well, look yeah. at his pictures. As of, as of 20 minutes ago, his name was still on the top Cup. I don't... Maybe, like, they're literally taking it off. I don't know. No, I saw something interesting to interject slightly here. Yes. I saw something interesting about that. Like, the name is being on the Cup. With... Somebody had suggested what they should do is they should like stamp out like at, like like just like cross out the names. Don't take them off the cup, like cross them out so that it's like a marker on like the they don't like they think this guy. I I don't know how like that's an interesting thought of like instead of taking him off the cup so that your name can't even be on here anymore. I guess somebody had suggested like just cross out the names so that people look at it and they're like, what's different about this one? Well. That they don't, you know, they they did something terrible. So and, and, and almost like that's a, an like, interesting like a punishment thought. to the Blackhawks. Like, like we're going to remind you, we're going to remind you of the choice that you made. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It's not a terrible idea. No, no it's, not it's not a interesting. Terrible. Like some people, like some people think the punishment is your name should not have the honor of being on the Stanley Cup, which it's is like, mainly where fair, I'm at. I, fair. I would rather just. It's have an interesting. It's there. an interesting. Obviously, like I'm not the one making that decision, so it's yeah, just no, no, I sorry. just contemplate it and it's whatever, but. The, it's interesting to think of like, oh, now this this is you've tainted your, like the na- like obviously you you remove them. I don't know if you want to remove them from the records or remove them from the like. You can't like it would be tough to say there's just no 2010 Stanley Cup champion because I don't know if you can posthumously award it to the Flyers. I don't think that's. Well, you're not going to take do. away the Stanley. No, Cup. you're not going to. Well, yeah. right. This isn't a Louisville situation well, in 2013. Yeah. Know, where they got stripped of their title for for basketball, like this is completely different. So. In that specific situation here, it's just a matter of like now, their cup victory is tainted because of, of the de- of the decision that they made to not right. do it, and it's tainted, obviously, like in general, but not, like it'd be physically like people will look at it and go, "Why is this one different?" You know. I personally, I would just have his name off there entirely. Like I understand what you're saying, and the reason I would have it off there is because I don't want. Like his name, they have the privilege of being even being on there in well, any capacity. And the so, other thing is, I don't want anybody to have to look at his name. Well, right for, for Kyle Beach, the last thing yeah. Kyle Beach needs is for his name to still be still on the Cup. Now, now let me let me clarify a bit of what I was saying. I think part of the point that these people were making, and it was just maybe it was analysts, maybe it's just hockey fans on Twitter mm-hmm. were saying that I get the more point. than I, I, more than just his name, like yeah. the 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 team in it of itself, the Stan Bowman, the the Joel Quenville, everybody. Have their name crossed off, basically. If it's just his, if, if if in the end the decision is that 
Brad Aldrich is the guy that is being removed from it, then he, his his name just be taken off and just yeah get make him make him disappear. He you know not disappear in the sense just like his he should have no no honor and role in being on the Stanley Cup as, yeah. as as if he you know like he didn't like the thing about being on the Stanley Cup is you were involved in helping the team get there and obviously you don't want that to be the case. What are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> This is so messed up that this is happening in the middle of this serious conversation. I'm looking, so it, it, uh, <laughs> I was laughing earlier about trending things, and I'm looking down, and I see the New York Times. BJ Novak's face is on products worldwide. He's not sure why. <laughs> I'm just thinking this guy has no clue why he's being <laughs> promoted for Sabres jerseys. <laughs> This world is not real. I swear to God. Anyway, anyway, uh, I, the tweet that I wanted to pull up real quick from, from Chris Johnson, I just saw this. This is from an hour ago. Sean Lalonde, a black ace with the 2010 Blackhawks, tells Ilta Sanomat, I think that's how it's pronounced, in Finland, that he thinks the whole team knew what happened to Kyle Beach, and now, quote-unquote, players don't really know what to say. Lalonde also says he spoke to the Jenner and Block investigators. So Jenner and Block were the organization, the uh, people who were investigating this whole entire situation. Uh, Rocky and Danny Wirtz, the, the president and chairman uh, of the Chicago Blackhawks, allowed all of this to happen. With They, they just let them have everything. They, no restrictions. Right. Wherever you find anything, you can go. So... Um, it should it should be noted that those two um, say that they had no clue that any of that was going on, and that the report from Jenner and Block basically confirmed that they had no clue what was going on. So all of this happened while they were there; they didn't know about it. Um, so th- those two, I think, deserve an incredible amount of credit for for letting this investigation happen. Um, at the same time, I, I disagreed with some of the things that they said about Stan Bowman and other members of the organization. But that's another here or there, nor there. That's more legal speak than anything. Brad Aldrich was allowed to continue working for the Blackhawks for the rest of the season. Then he was able to walk away free. Nothing happened to him. Um, he then worked for Miami of Ohio, where allegedly he assaulted a player there too. I thought he went to the high school level immediately after the Blackhawks. Well, he also, he also assaulted a 16-year-old, too. Okay. And that was what he was arrested for. Okay. But he also worked for Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio. All right. I must have missed that. It's been all over. Like, I drive to school every day. It's not. It's like 15 minutes. Yeah. But I always have WGR on. And when I wake up, that's my alarm clock. And, um, you know, I, like, I listen to the ESPN if it, AM radio 1520. So, like, that's just, like, the conversations that are happening right now is that. So um, that, that must have just been, been, been mentioned at a time where I wasn't paying attention or wasn't it didn't know it wasn't tuned in at that point so last night obviously we mentioned uh kyle beach went on there's about a 25 minute interview with tsn uh with rick westhead um where he, he talked about everything that happened i would encourage anybody who hasn't seen it to watch it yeah it, it is it, available it is, yeah it is available yeah. it's on youtube uh, it is tough to watch. If, if you are a survivor, and there there could be some triggering things in there, so don't check it out if it's going to make you feel uncomfortable or bring anything up. But if, but if if you haven't seen it and you'll be okay watching it, I highly recommend it. It's a very powerful and emotional interview. It's you know 
summary of what happened without going into like the you know the gruesome nitty gritty details that the 107 107 page report came out with. Yeah. I read part of this. Like I said, I read the summary yeah. of it, and I I got it to page four. I'm like, this is just horrible, and I I stopped it's, there because I got the yeah. basically I got the gist of what it was about. I have an, an internship with Trainwreck Sports this semester, which is super fun. Um, and obviously, this is not fun, but it was interesting. Uh, they texted in our the group chat for our Sabers coverage today. One of the guys um, said that he read the entire 107-page report, mm-hmm. and really? he said he sent it in the um, in our group chat so that we have it. I mean, it's, again, that's available for everybody to read if they want. It's you know, instead of us just explaining it, it's just just go ahead and read it and watch the video. Like if, you know, if you have the time, it's worth it. Um, and barring all the things Jay said, obviously, I don't need to repeat what he just said. But disturbing is a word that probably is good to describe the entire situation in general. And, and, yeah. disturbing. and it's interesting to say that a lot of people in the hockey world kind of say things like, I can't believe it. And then, like, there are some people, I think, who are self-aware enough to kind of stop themselves and then say, like, no, I, I can believe it. It's just aggravating that it happened can- and happen. it continues to happen. Yeah. Uh, Jim Gary, who is the Blackhawks' mental skills coach, he told investigators, quote-unquote, he sometimes used what he regarded as juvenile sexual humor to engage with the young male players in order to encourage them to receive mental skills coaching and counseling from him. Uh, the importance of Jim Gary in this uh, story is uh, Kyle Beach reported this incident to him, and Gary... Uh, made it feel like it was his fault and told him that he put himself in that position. A lot of, a lot of messed up stuff in this. They, they allowed this to happen. They didn't do nearly enough for... Forget about this. Forget about Kyle Beach as a player. They didn't do enough for him as a person. Right. And that's really what's important here. I mean, like, before... This is, the, the, this is Before you're a member of the, of the Chicago Blackhawks organization, before you're a member of the NHL, before you're a hockey player, you're, a you're just a, a human being in general. And I think that's that's where I think most interactions have to stem from that, and that's this is something that just genuinely didn't. And that's, that's and where... That's where it's incredibly disappointing. And that's where it's really just surprising to me, because... If you think about it just for one second, and you go back and you think about the Blackhawks' history, so they, so they pick Jonathan Taze, very like they got him like second overall, and then the next year they get Patrick Kane first overall, and then the next year they get Kyle Beach eleventh overall. It had to have been in their plans, long term, that they wanted him to play in the top six. Hopefully, they develop him, probably right. play him with with Taze and Kane. Yeah, that was probably a hope that they had for Kyle Beach. It's stunning to me that just two years into his career, this happened. And for your 11th overall pick, you didn't do that for him. Yeah. that That's what's most surprising. Like, I, that, like, it, it wouldn't matter if he was undrafted or, or just a minor right, player or anything but, like but, that. But, but, but that's but, what makes it more surprising is you picked this guy high. He yeah. is a, he's an asset I, for I you. I totally understand you where you're going with stock this. And yeah. you didn't do that. that that's what's the Because the whole, po- the whole conversation was that, like... There's many issues with the whole thing, but one of the issues was like they were like, no, we don't want this situation to distract the team from our Stanley Cup playoff run. Yeah. But like, so so you're making that decision, obviously mm. the, a wrong decision and an yeah. immoral one, but regardless, that's the decision that they made at the time. 
you're making that decision in the interest of your hockey operations and your your team success, quote unquote, right? But so I, why I wouldn't would make... you? Why wouldn't you? This this so your decision, like you'd think that if this guy is a future of your franchise, again, he's just outside the top ten in the first round. Mm-hmm. You'd think that. If you're trying to be consistent in making decisions for the success of your hockey operations, you, you would, would want to do everything, want to do everything you can in your to help out to... your 11th overall yeah. pick. That's what's surprising. Yeah. And I want to make sure, make clear real quick that I'm not saying, like, oh, I would understand it if this guy was undrafted, if he was never going to play in the league. Like, oh, I, I totally get them, like, covering this up. No, I don't get that. Like, no, no. I, 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 in terms of human being, like, this is, this is ridiculous. But they, on top just of that, just pointing out more of their just, it's crazy so to confusing me. how they, it's so their crazy minds to me were, that they wouldn't yeah, yeah. protect a player that was clearly going to be a part of their organization. For right. One. They, 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 you wouldn't pick him 11th overall if you didn't want him to be a long term part of your organization. Right. Exactly. The fact that you didn't protect makes it even it's even crazier to me. yeah yeah like it, it's absolutely wild and it, it's it's really disappointing and the most disappointing thing about it as of right now um Kevin Sheveldayoff is still employed by the Winnipeg Jets and last night after all of this came out Joel Joel Quentin Quentin was, was allowed to coach the Florida Panthers yeah and I think that stems from another hockey operations decision, this time from the Florida Panthers, to say, we're currently 7-0. and We don't want this to be a distraction for our team. Actually, they were currently 6-0. and Well, they, yeah, 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 they're, but they're I got trying you. to get to 7-0. and Right, I got is their you. goal. And they made another hockey operations decision to say, our current success, which, again... We just said it wouldn't matter if he was a seventh round pick or undrafted or signed off the street for a professional tryout or you know. Yeah. Or if, if and in this situation, it shouldn't matter whether they're in a in the middle of a Stanley Cup playoff run or, or if the worst seven the games into the season. Yeah. And they're seven and zero or zero and seven. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. But like again, it's just a team that's like just... we have success and we don't want to disrupt it. So they're gonna go ahead and make this decision that clearly I don't think there's a single person in in hockey media. Or just a fan general that's not confused as to why, why they made that decision the way that they did. It's yeah. it's quite quite confusing, and just blatantly incorrect, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, I think we said just about everything we need to say about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, well, I will wait until more things come out because this story is far from over. Oh God, yeah. Um, I, I just one question: When is the When's the meeting between Quinville and Batman? Today, I thought. I thought it was supposed to be today. Is it today? Today as in October 28th, not today as in November 17th when this podcast comes out. Exactly. Okay. I just want to... Of course, I'm hoping this podcast will be out before November 17th, but I just want to... I want to clarify, there's there's literally not a chance in hell I'm going to be able to edit this today. Like, not even close to possible. Well, yeah, you got to work at 3, so yeah. Then right. I, yeah, i got to work at 3, and then I have a meeting at 6 o'clock, and then I have a hockey game at 9. So this came out an hour ago. Joel Quenville to meet with NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman over handling a Blackhawk sexual assault scandal. Um, so, okay. I, I don't know if that means it's going to be today. I, I thought it was going to be today. So. Uh-huh. I thought I saw that it was today, but maybe I just assumed it was today because I saw that oh, so this was they from were to meet. Tony Ferrari, uh, Joel Quenville will be meeting with Gary Bettman in just under two hours, and that was two hours ago. Okay, so, so as we are speaking probably right happening now, right he, now at about two o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, two on o'clock October twenty eighth, twenty twenty one. Yep. He, it, yeah, this should 
this should be the last thing that Joel Quenville ever does in the National Hockey League. I'm surprised that he Except was Except maybe, maybe an apology. That might be nice. Well, yeah, that would be nice, but I mean, just in terms of doing anything uh, yeah, in the National Hockey League. That's but, fair. Um, it, it's crazy to me that he was even allowed to coach. And the other thing that bothered me is, like, I, I can't believe that there wasn't one Florida Panthers player who, who didn't, like, stand up and just say, like, no, I don't, I don't really want to play for this guy anymore. Yeah. Like, the fact that he was coaching last night and they won, they beat Boston. Yeah. And, yeah. It's yeah. like, so clearly the players had no problem playing for him last night. Okay, I got an interesting question because I just thought about this. Yes. So, before all this happened, Joe Quinville was, you would consider as a Hall of Fame coach, correct? God, he's one of he's a top five coach of all time. Okay, does this hurt his chances of getting into the Hall? I, of I don't think there's any reason he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, there's this. Does this hurt his chances? There are things that happen in the world that just, yeah, basically just eliminate I mean, you from consideration yeah. for things, and this I'm is sorry. one of those things. Like Mo- moving forward, hiring him as a coach or putting him in the Hall of Fame, it's a non-option. It's a not. You can't do it. I'm sorry, you just can't. Yeah, that is. Such a terrible look for the National Hockey League if they even consider putting him in the Hall of Fame. Because I think, like, basically that's a punishment for him, and it's a, I guess you could call it a warning for everybody else. It's like, you just don't, don't be a terrible person, and then maybe you'll be in the Hockey Hall of Fame if you're actually good at your Okay, and then to piggyback off that, what about Taze and Kane? Because they, because that, makes, uh, that makes things a little bit more complicated. It makes, I will very, say. it makes it very complicated because uh, Nick Boynton and Brent Sopel, who were both a part of the Cup winning team in 2010, both came out and said, "Oh, everybody knew. Everybody knew. Everybody knew." So if everybody knows, I'd have to imagine your freaking captain and your franchise player knew. Yeah. So I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, while we don't know for sure if they knew. Uh, 99.9999, and I'll go on forever percent chance that they knew. Yeah, they knew. And they did nothing about it. They didn't speak up. They didn't stand up for this kid. They didn't do and anything. I, I don't remember um, what Taze and Kane have, if they've even said anything to this point. I feel like one of them like declined to do an interview or something about it when the investigation yeah, so. was happening. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I again, I can't pull up my Here's laptop because I'm trying to monitor our recording, yeah. which, knock on wood, is still supposedly happening properly right now. But um, I, I feel like if if they were at a point like they were still relatively young in their careers at that point, so like if if you if you're in a position where maybe you're like I'm a young NHL, I'm just I was kind of confused, like I was assuming it would have been handled by the higher-ups, and it wasn't. I guess, like, maybe you get a you little bit of... You would assume that they would... You would hope that the, the higher-ups would handle right. it. Right. But at the same like, time... Like, that's a, this I'm a situation... Going, that, I'm not going to accept the excuse of I'm a, a young National Hockey League player because the season that they won the Stanley Cup, Jonathan Taze was already the captain. Yeah. Yeah, that's... So that clearly the organization job, didn't yeah. think you were too young. Right. You, you, nobody who is too young is going to be named the captain of a team. So you can't use the excuse, oh, I'm too young. The organization clearly thought you weren't. So that, 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 that's my, my, my opinion of it. But um, it, it's crazy. Think about, like, think about the team in general. Like we're, we're talking right now about Taze and Kane. There were so many good players on the team. What about Duncan Keith? Duncan Keith's not there anymore. What about Marion Hosa? Marion Hosa. Yeah. Brent Seabrook. So I find Andrew Ladd. 
Dustin Bufflin. Nick Jalmerson. That's a good freaking team. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Very few teams that win the Stanley Cup are not good freaking teams. Like, yeah, of Can course, I, but that team is like loaded more yeah. than most. Can I interject? Yes. I found an article about uh, Jonathan Taze that came out four hours ago. Um, according to this article, he stood behind Bowman, and uh, there he quote. It, it was a quote from yesterday, Wednesday, October twenty seventh, two thousand twenty one. Do you have the quote in front of you? Is it in the article? Yes. So it says, To me, Stan and Al make, an ar- make any argument you want. They're not directly com- um, conflicted in the activities that happen, Tay said after Wednesday's game. It, it's not up to me to comment on whether they like, they'd like to deal with it differently or not. I just know them as people, and I've had a relationship and friendship with them for as long as I as long for a long time as being part of the, uh, the Blackhawks family. People like Al and Stan have made coming to the Blackhawks for players around the league who came here to play for this team one of the, one of the special places to play or to play hockey. To me, I have a ton of respect for the that for them as people. Duncan Keith said in an interview, I know there was talk that players knew and maybe some guys didn't, but not everyone knew. And maybe that's hard for people to understand, but that's the truth. Do you want me, there's another quote that's right after. Do you want me to read that one, though? That, that I think that's from Taze. Yeah, here, here's another quote from Duncan Keith real quick. Daniel Nugent Bowman, his reporter, asked, should what happened taint or change how people view that 2010 championship? Duncan Keith said that's a tough question. It's obviously a serious allegation. It's serious what happened. But at the same time, it was a special group of players in that room that battled and competed and deserved that championship. In that sense... For me, it's tough to see that. I guess people have to form their own thoughts and opinions on it. To me, it's a championship team. It's a special group of players that I got to be a part of. And then the other taste quote, how the situation went down, what the timeline was, what they knew, I can't really really comment on that. It's obvious a tough day, regardless of mistakes that may have been made for someone like Stan who has done so much for the Blackhawks, and Al as well, to lose everything they care about and their livelihoods as well. I don't understand how that makes it go away to just delete them from existence and say that it's that that's it, we'll never hear from them again. And then he, there's a third quote that basically says he respects them as people, he sees them as good people, and when it comes down to how they look, Looking back at the situation, it's it's not up to him to comment on. So basically, Jonathan Tate really doesn't want to talk about this. Shocker. Shocker. You almost can't help but like let out one of those like, this is so ridiculous kind of laughs. Because Brian's joining us, he's in the background, and he's just kind of sitting back laughing like this is this is ridiculous. Oh, I found a uh, I found a Patrick Kane quote in that article okay, too. Okay, read it. Okay, I knew Stan very well. No. Know, know him as a great man. He did a lot for me personally coming into the league over, over the course of my career. I'm sure he would have handled things differently nowadays. What happened what happened happened in, in the past, and I think the organization made the right moves to get the Blackhawks going forward into the, in the right steps and making sure they're trending forward. Yeah. That's a rude, like, Patrick Kane's been in the spotlight before. Yeah. I feel like I feel like we don't have to like go into it, but we can go out on a limb and say he's not a good person. Yeah, no, I, um, I would, I would, yeah. but again, that quote is just like 
the, the latter half of that quote where he says like I feel like the bla- I feel like in that specific situation regardless of if as an individual you think that the team should have done whatever um like uh like if the team should have done whatever and whatnot to like oh or they shouldn't have or you're glad they handled it the way that it did well, I feel like even in the media, you should know that there's like saying the words. I feel like the Blackhawks did the right thing, is what he said. Didn't he say that? He said like, "Oh, I feel like they did a good job of getting us into the future." Like, I think he's talking about. What I, they I understand that he's not talking about the handling the situation, but okay. I feel like those are words that you should just probably avoid saying, like yeah. in a situation. Like, yeah. you don't want to give. Because you don't, you're trying not to give them any credit for, for like, in that situation, you just kind of want to be, if you don't want to comment on it, if you don't want to say, if you don't want to outright say, like, oh, yeah, that's terrible and they should whatever, then you should just be ambiguous. And if you want to be ambiguous, I would avoid saying words like good job, bad job, terrible, great. I would yeah. just be like, you know, I would, I would have, if I were him, I feel like he could have done a way better job of, of, trying to not make himself look like an asshole but he just sounds like such a dick like dude (laughs) i think it's important to mention that there is a lot of legal speak in this oh right you were trying to avoid saying anything that you could be held accountable for in terms of the court of law so real quick i have a tweet from chris johnson kyle beach said i witnessed meetings right after i reported the assault to james gary that were held in joel quendell's office there's absolutely no way he can deny knowing it yeah. So that's another yeah. element to this about Joel Quendell. Um, but, but, but going back to, to, to Taze, Kane, just about everybody who, who has spoken about Stan Bowman and whatnot, um, there, there is a lot of legal speaking here. So there's going to be a lot of quotes that we don't like. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's hard to have a legal speak type of quote that doesn't come off right. absurdly insensitive yeah. to Kyle Beach. Right. Like, because, yeah, it's... Oh, there's, um, I found a statement from the Florida Panthers, um, from their general manager. Yeah, that, so for, last for, night for what Bill happened Zito. was, yeah, Bill Zito came out last night after the game, and instead of releasing Joel Quenville to the hounds, basically, yeah. and letting the press grill him after the game, yeah. Joel Quenville did not do his regular press conference. Bill Zito came out and just read a statement, and I'm assuming that this is the statement that you're about to say right now. Yes, there's no question. There's no question the influx of information that has recently been that has recently become available is deep is deeply troubling. As an organization, we commend Kyle Beach for his, his courage in coming forward this evening to bring to light the pain he endured during his time in Chicago. The events described are serious and severe, and we're working closely with the National Hockey League to assist in this ongoing process. Yeah. So. That, that is a statement. There are words. Not much to it, though. But real quick, just just, just want to throw this out there to, to anybody. Okay? Cause I, I don't think I need to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, this is a tweet from someone I follow. Uh, People who cover up sex abuse allegations for 10-plus years and made a deliberate decision to not deal with it so as not to upset team chemistry for Stanley Cup are objectively not good people, no matter what they did for you personally. It's not difficult. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel like... Like, if, if you're in a position, like, like people in the Sabres organization right now can say things like, I can't believe that happened. 
And obviously they knew nothing about it because, like, they're not in that. But, like, you can say, I can't believe it. And then, yeah, maybe you can believe it. Like, it's not important. But, like, whatever. But, like, when you're involved in this, you can... You probably could say, like, oh, I can't believe it. This person is maybe not as good of a person as I thought. You know, maybe, you know, I would consider that a possibility. Is there anything... This is a tweet from, from Mark Lazarus, and I think this is a very important tweet because he, he covers the Blackhawks and covered them for a long time. Uh, he's got a lot of respect amongst the media. Right. He's done a very good job of it. He said last night, 19 hours ago, and I still can't believe they're letting Joel Quenville coach tonight. Actually, I very much can't believe it. I just can't accept it. I think I saw that exact same tweet. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up because you got places to be. I do. I, I unfortunately have, have to go have to work. work. But this is a very good conversation for us to have. It, this won't be the last conversation we have about this. There's more things pour over. As I said no. earlier, and this thing is far from over in terms of happening. Very interesting um, to see us to see more information happen over the next couple. I mean, obviously, Joel Quenville's meeting with Gary Batman like probably like right now. Right now. Right next now. week, there's a very good chance that him and we'll Kevin have... Shevel Daff will not have jobs. Yeah. There's going to be more information that comes out. Um, so we'll, this will obviously not be the last time that we talk about this, but this was something I really wanted to talk about today. So anybody who's listening, I really appreciate you taking the time. And again, it is this is like quite clearly the most important thing happening in the NHL currently. Like, right? There's, yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. Right. Like, like, like I'm sorry. Like as of right now, for the National Hockey League, hockey is absolutely secondary. Right. Yep. It's not even close. And we would be remiss again if we didn't mention the the courage it took for Kyle Beach to step forward. And reveal himself. And reveal himself and talk about this. And once again, I said this at the top, I'll say it again. The it, We're all journalism majors here. The unbelievable reporting, the steps taken, everything that Rick Westhead did to make sure that this came to light is just unbelievable. It's very phenomenal. Lately, we, 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 in, in freshman year, we, we all we watched you know, Spotlight in, yeah, in Higgins, Spotlight. Higgins' class. This is like the NHL's version of it. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. This this is a long process, and he never gave up on it. He put a lot of work into it, and we're very fortunate that Rick West has part of this Is league. there a subdivision for Pulitzers for sports? I have no idea. Because if, if so, this would if, be if there was, he would deserve it. Yeah, 100%. he 100% deserves it. But that is it for this week's episode of the Over the Boards podcast. No, it wasn't the, the fun-loving podcast that we usually do, but obviously for, for obvious reasons it couldn't be. So, I mean, we started out fun-loving, but we... For the most part, yeah. Yeah, for the most part. We talked about how Jonas Johansson sucks in hockey, but anyway, <laughs> thank you for joining this week. Much love. Good night, Jim Kite. <laughs>